the collapse of a congregation, or the collapse of a civilization, as they already have. If instead of the manufactured experiences of high production value, he goes on, Sunday gatherings, we would walk around, word and spirit, confession and assurance, bread and drink, and be in awe of the presence of God. Simply by us being together, reading the Word of God, and participating in some of those even spiritual disciplines I mentioned a moment ago. So how spiritual and mature are you can be seen by how you treat God. Next, spiritual maturity is indicated by how you treat others. In this building, outside of this building, but particularly in a lot of ways within here. Because within here, we are a community of believers. Let's look at Acts chapter 4, please. Acts chapter 4, early days of the church, as we look for the pattern. As we look for the pattern of the New Testament church, we look to Scripture, particularly in Acts how the people as individuals, how the people as groups acted, and we try to emulate this. We learn from their successes. We learn from their teachings. We learn from their mistakes and their behaviors. Let's look here. Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart. There's unity, right? One heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them down at the apostles' feet, giving, right? And they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprus, Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, was translated means sons of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. They were there taking care of one another. Now the needs of today, I'm not sure how they translate through the first century like that, but what we can learn is as far as giving and being there for one another, we've got to do that. We've got to be there for one another. And the question is, how do you treat the community within the building. People here, individuals, they are asking for a few things. They're not asking for you to sell your land, though. They're not asking you for that. But they are asking for things that you have that they might need. Your level of maturity, perhaps. They're asking for your time. Number one, there are people here who are longing for community. Who are longing to feel a part of something. Work's not doing it for them. Internet won't ever do it for you. Real connection happens through communities like this. Through people who are supposed to care for the community. Through people who are supposed to love one another and be there for one another. So that's what they're asking for. For your time. For you to be a part of their life so that they might be a part of this community. They are also asking for you to consider your actions. That's what I'm doing this morning for us all to consider your level of spiritual maturity and how it may be affecting other people within this building. Our actions do a lot. We're a system here. Okay, Counselors oftentimes look at systems, family systems, how the father operates in regards to the mother, vice versa, how each of the children, they all operate in one way or another. Dysfunctional families come from a dysfunctional system A lot of times you can look at congregations in much the same way. How are your actions, functional or otherwise, 
affecting other people here. Because how you act, because you are your brother's keeper, you are your sister's keeper, you are responsible for your actions and how it affects others around us. So spiritually mature people, you consider your actions based on how it might offend someone here, based on how it might affect them through that way. Do your actions cause people to can't wait to get out of here? Or do people say, I can't wait to be back Sunday night. I can't wait to be back Wednesday night. Because your actions individually, our actions as a group, do one of those two things. We also need as a community of believers, for all of us, to raise good children, be faithful to our spouse, be there for our family as well. As Brother Scott used to say, you know, he's, he's dependent on each of us to raise our good children because he had, you know, has three young daughters down in Spring Hill still. You know, he's worried about them, about the children they're growing up with. I'm worried about the same. I know you are too. So we've got to do our best for one another because our children are going to some great youth group events. And I want those children, our children, to remember those for the rest of their lives. And I want those events to develop them into mature Christians. That's the ultimate purpose, after all, for them to see the community of believers that they're a part of, for them to feel loved, for them to feel connected, and for them to say, hey, I love this book because this is what has brought me here, and it's what will take me to heaven as well. Because we are a community... As I said a moment ago, our behavior attracts or it pushes people away. Spiritually mature people know when to speak and when not to speak. Loose lips sink ships. It can also sink congregations. Watch what you say and who you say it to. Do you have to tell every bit of gossip you have? Do you have to run and say something to somebody? Is it Telephone, telegram, tell you? What is it? Spiritually mature person doesn't run around spreading everything for whatever reason. Spiritually mature person knows what James 3 says. The tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life. It is set on fire by hell. The tongue is a fire, and it can burn down a congregation. Figuratively, of course. But a congregation is the people. We can meet anywhere. We can meet anywhere we like. Thankfully, we've got this fantastic building here. But the tongue is a fire. And it sets aflame the community that we have together and can burn it down. Spiritually mature people know well to heed this passage. Spiritually mature people want to include everyone in their community. The community here. And the community outside to try to bring them in. There should not be classes of people in a congregation. There should be Bible classes for people in a congregation, but not classes. We should not be separated by education, by money, or by cliques. And we are susceptible to cliques because of our location. I've always admired our location. Being at the literal crossroads, we gather many people from various communities. And we converge here to worship Christ, and I think that's a wonderful, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. But if we're not careful, we can be divided very quickly. Clicks within the church can be a huge detriment to all, to all of our ministry efforts, including spiritual growth, which I'm talking about today, discipleship and outreach. 
people, when there are many cliques within a building, can feel unloved, unnoticed, unimportant, and isolated. The people that we read of in Acts chapter 4 felt connected, felt loved. They were probably like, all right, let's, let's give it a rest. You know, you're helping me out a lot. They might have got burned out on all the love they were being shown because it was happening so often. Just like the kid who always sits by himself at the lunch table. People in a congregation can feel like they aren't important if we're not careful. A church with a strong culture of cliques or an us versus them mentality will most likely lose members simply because they never felt like they fit in or could find their place within the work and mission of the church or they're tired of competing with each other. The Bible is clear that God's intention for the church is a multifaceted, diverse body with no regard for pushing people out like a bunch of 7th grade girls huddled around their lockers. Spiritual maturity can be indicated by this, how knit together in love that we are. Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. That's what we should be about in how we treat others. Spiritual maturity can be indicated by how you treat yourself. Spiritually strong people love God and care for others. This can sometimes lead to their demise, because sometimes they forget about themselves. I want you to remember something. Those of you who love the work here, who love other people, who work tirelessly to make the mission of this church be what it is, and you do such a wonderful job, don't sacrifice yourself, because God, He needs you to be healthy as well. He needs you to be emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, otherwise He can't lose you. If you're burning out, if you're burning out, God can't lose you. He needs you to be healthy and to take care of yourself. Are you tired? Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know that verse. You could probably quote it because you're spiritually mature. Are you anxious and burdened? Psalm 55, 22, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. You know these verses, many of you, because you are a mature Christian. But do you practice it? Kind of tough to do. It's tough. Those who are anxious, those who are natural caregivers, find it very difficult to follow these two passages. Well, imagine for a second what it would be like to rest. Imagine for a second what it would be like to not have a burden. Do that when you first get out to your car. Do that even now. Imagine what that feels like. I know you can do it. No, you can do it. Imagine what that would like if I didn't have this worry or that worry or, or, or this care or this anxiety. Imagine and let that feeling wash over you that if I could you know, give you a key or something that made that happen, imagine what that would feel like. There you are. That's where you need to be. That's you practicing these passages. That's you developing spiritually. You just got to be able to do it on the fly. You just got to be able to do it so that you don't feel overworked overburdened and burnt out because a lot of our spiritually mature people are on that way. So it's how you treat yourself that indicates spiritual maturity also. So how can we become more spiritually mature? How can we grow? Number one, notice that you have room to grow. Acts chapter 8, we read of the Simon the sorcerer, we call him. He was someone who could go about and, and do, do tricks, do some sort of sorcery, and he started hearing about Jesus, and he wanted to know more. Finds out more about Jesus, becomes a Christian. And then the apostles, Peter and others, come 
to where He is, and they start passing on the gift of the Holy Spirit, the miraculous form of the, of the gift of the Holy Spirit. They go and pass on these to the new Christians. And Simon the sorcerer, he sees this, and he goes and offers Peter money. He says, Peter, here's my money. Let, let me be able to do that along with you. I'd love to do this. And, and Peter reprimands him. Peter says, you know, let your money perish with you. You can't, you can't buy this gift. You can't buy this gift with, with, with money. You can't get it that way. And then Simon says in verse 24, Pray to the Lord for me yourselves, so that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Sometimes we're prideful about our Christian life. We're prideful about who we are. But this, you see, was immediate growth. Simon saw where he was, spiritually speaking, and he said, i got to grow. And so I'm going to listen to Peter. So notice first that you have room to grow. Next, move on to more difficult things. Are you still coloring that picture of Noah? Are you still doing that? Move on to more difficult things such as denying yourself, such as understanding pride, practicing humility, sacrificing your time and your resources for others. More specifically, commit to a ministry here. For some, not feeling connected is oftentimes their own fault because they've not gotten into a regimen. They've not fallen into a ministry of some kind, even though the opportunity is there. And so they leave feeling less than enriched because they've gotten to a spiritual level and they're not growing. They're not continuing to move up. And we must realize also that growth is continual. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, 13-14, that he had not yet reached it. He recognized in that passage his need for growth. Wise people and spiritually mature people realize they're always growing, that they don't know everything, that they're always moving in some kind of direction. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, we must realize, spiritually speaking, there is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. This can be freeing. For those who need a little more spiritual growth, it can be very freeing. Not freeing in the sense that I can just act however I want. Well, i got to give up then, Dale, because apparently there's not a righteous person on earth. So why should I even try? Well, this is not freeing in that sense, but rather, as Paul said in chapter 6 and verse 1 of the book of Romans, shall we continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be, he says. Just because we have the, the love of Jesus and His grace that washes away our sins doesn't mean we can just keep on sinning, Paul says. doesn't mean that at all, but it is freeing in the sense that you don't have to be perfect. And that's good, because we have Jesus Christ who is there redeeming us. We need the spiritually mature. They are our elders, our deacons, our Bible class teachers, so many here who do excellent things. We need the spiritually mature. But guess what? We need the spiritually immature as well. Those who need to grow, all of us knowing that we need to grow. And like Paul say, I haven't, I haven't met it yet. I haven't reached it yet. I've got to keep on trying. We just need to grow and realize we cannot remain as children. 2 Peter 1, 5 and 10. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence in your moral excellence knowledge. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about His calling and choosing you. 
For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Wherever you are on the maturity continuum, whether high up or, or, or low down and you're just getting started, I hope you'll remember this passage. You've got to add things to your spiritual maturity and if you practice them, you will never stumble. May we all strive to be more spiritually mature, handle one another with more respect, handle our relationship with God in a more continuous way, and definitely take care of ourselves so that we might continue to grow spiritually. If you have a need this morning, if you need to start your spiritual path, if you need to start your spiritual life and become a Christian, be added to the body of Christ, as I mentioned this morning in the high school class. If you need to become a Christian, come forward this morning. Let us assist you, or if you failed in some way, spiritually speaking, and need prayers as well, please come forward and let us pray for you as we stand and sing. Supper, we'll sing number 950, Lamb of God.
to prepare our minds for taking the Lord's Supper this morning, I would like to read from the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 39 through 44. This is a scene at the foot of the cross, somewhat described by the song we just sang. Beginning with 39. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Let's go back into the earlier chapters of Matthew chapter 4, verses 5, 6, and 7. This is after the temptation in the wilderness. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He will give his angels charge concerning thee that they will bear thee up in their hands, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Then Jesus said to him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Do you hear the same words in the latter chapters of Matthew? If thou be the Son of God, come down. What a temptation to Jesus at this time to end the pain, the suffering, the sleeplessness, the hunger, the thirst, to show to these unbelievers that I am who I said I am. But when he issued the great invitation in chapter 11 of, of Matthew that Dale mentioned, that invitation was good not only for that, that day, but for all time. And unless Jesus stayed on that cross 